You're listening to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show for budding entrepreneurs who want to understand the how and the why of social media marketing. I'm your host, Andrea Jones. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to episode number 68 of the Savvy Social Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Social Report. Social Report is the world's most complete social media management tool, and it's my tool of choice when it comes to all things scheduling, reporting, and managing on social media. You can try it out for yourself for free for 30 days by going to socialreport.com, or you can click the link in the show notes. Now, today's episode is with the fabulous Krista Miller, and I met Krista back in 2017, I want to say, when she launched her first summit. Actually, I think it was 2018, and we talked about this in the interview, Um, but she has one of the most organized and pleasant summits that I've ever been a part of. Um, And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the word summit, it's basically a virtual event that's hosted live where you have different speakers who present on different topics. So you can watch the whole thing or you can watch different sessions. And um, it can be uh, like a little bit of a nightmare to organize sometimes because you've got so many different people and it's all happening online and the whole tech issue. But Krista has like a really smooth process to it all. So for those of you who don't know who Krista is, she teaches online business owners how to skyrocket their revenues, grow their email lists, become leaders, and make mutual beneficial connections through online summits. These aren't summits that just leave speakers and attendees feeling gross or taken advantage of. Her method is focused on building strong connections, collaboration, and making a real difference in the lives of everyone involved. And so in this episode, We talk about how Krista even got into this world of summits. We talk about the value of knowing and understanding your niche, how live videos can encourage engagement, and how she uses Facebook groups to build a summit community. So it's just such a fascinating conversation. Before we dive into the episode, quick little update. So in the Savvy Social School next month, we're talking about planning for the new year. I cannot believe it's almost... 2020. What? 2020. I feel like that year is just going to have a lot of epic things happening, and I want to make sure that you're fully prepared for it. Uh, So check out this Abby Social School. For those of you who are in there, this is going to be another live training. Um, It'll be our last live training of the year, uh, all about planning for the new year. Um, And I've got some goodies for this one that I'm really excited to share. So uh, head on over to SavvySocialSchool.com. And if you're a member, you're already signed up for our New Year planning session. All right, let's dive into this wonderful interview with Krista Miller. Hey, Krista, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. I'm super geeked because your latest project, Summit in a Box, I'm just personally interested in. So we're going to pick your brain on that a little bit. Um, But before we dive into that, I'd love to know how you got started in the online business space. uh, Because I always like to hear people's stories there. Yeah, so I I feel like probably similar to a lot of people watching, I had a corporate job I did not love. Uh, I was doing software and web development, which I absolutely loved. But the environment I was in at work ended up getting really toxic. And I don't know, like all things, the more I noticed 
the worse it got, you know, because every little thing started setting me off. And, you know, it got to a point where I really just needed something. And luckily, I had been doing a lot of scrolling on Pinterest. And I started like a nerdy little blog. And that evolved a couple times. And then I was like, oh, people are like making money doing this. Like I saw all these designers doing stuff. Uh, Mariah Cos was one of the first people I ran across. She was making a course. I was like, I can do this. So the first thing I tried was a course did not work. Um, then I was like, well, if there's designers, I can probably design things and I know I can make websites. So let's do that. So I started my first business in 2015, late 2015 doing, um, web design and development, uh, quickly shifted to just development. Thank, thank goodness. Uh, I don't make pretty things. Um, and that, that grew pretty quickly for me. And I went, um, full time within about six months there. Um, and I still run that business and absolutely love it. I love doing development. Development. Um, but in oh, late 2017, mid 2017, I started like feeling like I was at a plateau. Like I was making the money I needed. I was getting clients consistently, but I just f- kind of felt like, okay, like where do I go from here? I'm not the type that's happy just like keeping things as they are. I always want a goal to work towards and I wanted a way to level up new leads, new um, like connections in the online space, a new way to bring value to my people. Um, so eventually that turned into me hosting an online summit, which before that was the most terrifying idea. I was like, people are going to look at me and be like, who the heck does she think she is running an online summit? And I had these visions of like pitching speakers and then being like, uh, yeah, right. Like not a chance, <laughs> but luckily I did it anyways. Um, and it was like just a total game changer for my business Um, from going to do from doing 100% one-on-one work to make money to launching my first summit and making more than I made in several months of development work I was like oh you know there there's something here and my original plan was to just do a summit you know once or twice a year Um, but after I did that all of my speakers and a whole lot of attendees were like um, how did you do that? Like, can you teach me to do that? And I was like, no, go away. Like, I, I'm not going to teach you how to do that. Um, but I don't know, a few months later, like the universe would not let me forget the idea. Like I had thought about it out of the blue one day, that same day I checked my email and one of my speakers was like, you should do this. And then the next morning, a coach I had worked with at the time of my summit sent me a message on Voxer and she's like, I had a dream about you last night that you launched this online summit empire. And I was like, okay, like fine, I'll do the dang thing. So I'm still doing development, but I started a new business summit in a box teaching people how to plan and launch profitable, but also like value packed and not gross online summits. Um, And it's been such an amazing journey and just so much fun to help people with this and bring all of these incredible summits to life in a way that's just different than you see a lot of people doing them that just kind of leaves the audience members feeling gross. So it's nice to bring this new vision to it all. Okay. As a speaker at two of your summits so far, I have to say they're the most organized ones I've ever been a part of. And they're, for me, they're also profitable. And I think that's something that's interesting to highlight for your summits is that some people have amazing summits, but they're not as uh, like worth it for the speakers. So I distinctly remember the first time I did your summit, um, the first one you did, I think, in 2018, right? Yep. yep. 
Um, that was one of my first summits as well that I had spoke at. And I was so like thrilled by like how much my list grew and people were tagging me and stuff on social media. I was getting business from it, not even counting like the affiliate fees from referring my own people there. Like it, like it was just such a great a summit experience. So, um, that being said, let's talk about marketing, like marketing these amazing things. Cause I know you do some really great things there, but um, I know your start on social media was a little bit rocky um, in the intake form that you sent me. You told me that you started on Twitter and you remember being super terrified to <laughs> say anything. Let's talk a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like we're, go we're going like all the way back here, but I, I had my Twitter account for, I don't even know how long I could probably like figure it out through like looking through emails in my first tweet, but I was terrified that I was going to write something dumb and hit publish and then just get like a ton of backlash when nobody's paying attention. Um, but it was absolutely terrifying to me. And I've seen that like in other people as well. Like my husband started um, a blog for his development and he's, he like still hasn't like written his own because he's so scared. And that's exactly how I felt. Like, I don't know, you just feel like everyone's focusing on you and looking at you and like picking apart every little thing you say and think. And it just makes it so terrifying. Did you feel that at all when you first started? Yeah, a little bit, but so I got my start in 2007 and um, really online and I was in like forums and stuff before this is like, bef this is like when Facebook wasn't even really that big. Yeah. <laughs> so it is terrifying, but I also like came up with it, but I still remember like for me, it was video, my very first YouTube video. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. And I was so scared to hit publish on it. Um, and it's still out there. Like if people want to dig, you probably could find it, but it's things like that where it's like, okay, that took me probably like a few months to get up the guts to like, to do the thing. Yeah. Um, but once I did it, it was like full steam ahead. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy how when you do those first couple, how quickly you can become comfortable with it and then be like, okay, I'm good doing it. And from there it's figuring out, you know, what exactly to actually do with it. Yeah. So after that first initial like nervousness on Twitter, um, how did you evolve on social media? What are your favorite platforms today? Yeah. So I, I feel like I started my business on Twitter, which is crazy to think about now because I haven't even opened the app in at least a year, maybe more than that. Um, but I like when I'm thinking back to it, I developed so many friendships, people I'm still like best friends with, have businesses, masterminds with. Um, but it just kind of started feeling like I started feeling a disconnect um, with my development business. I target designers. Designers aren't hanging out on Twitter. Um, so because of that, I naturally shifted over to Instagram, which is my main platform form now. Um, I used Facebook groups when I was, you know, still looking for clients really consistently, because that's a great place to go offer help, get uh, clients, not the kinds of clients I necessarily want to work with anymore. Um, but it was a big help for me for a while there, you know, in those transition stages. And now all, all I do is Instagram for the most part. Um, and I've just been able to make it like feel natural to me. It doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, I got to go like schedule all my Instagram or figure out my Instagram strategy now. You know, I think thanks to you though, uh, you have helped me make that a lot easier. Um, but that's where I put my focus now. And I like that it's in a way that just kind of feels natural and genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And I think that 
that's an important part of social media that we sometimes forget is that if it doesn't feel fun to log on to the platform anymore, you don't have to be locked into that moment. You can absolutely change gears, try a different platform, try a different strategy, because if you don't like it, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was my first summit. Your presentation is what helps me with that because I was definitely caught in the trap that I think a lot of people get caught in of like, I don't know what to post. I don't know what to post to help my business. And in your first presentation, you laid down out like a map, like this on one day of the week, post this one day of the week, post that. And I did that for a while. And that helped me like, just be like, okay, these are the kinds of things I'm thinking of. And now I can do it like more naturally without without having to think about it. So thanks for that. <laughs> Yay, love that, love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit specifically about social media for summits. Um, because I remember with your summits, you gave us all these amazing graphics to use, which are great. Um, so do you have a tip or two for our audience who may be thinking about starting a summit and they wanna know about how to get around that social media bit? Like what are some, some pieces of advice you can give us today? Yeah. So I feel like the biggest thing is that if you are just like pounding people with like promo graphics and straight up hard promo, you're not going to get very far. Like you'll get that initial wave of people that are interested, but that's all you're going to go. It's going to be stay very surface level. So it's really important to have like different aspects of how you go around promoting. Um, So like I said, I am mostly on Instagram. So I post in the feed and my stories. This is easier in stories, obviously. Um, But I have a couple like, you know, sequences that, you know, like build up, have like a couple sentences. Next graphic has a couple more, like with a nice promo that gets people leading into eventually, okay, go click the link in my bio. I think that's important. uh, But I think that's more important to do the other aspects. So for me, that is like, I do a lot of behind the scenes. So before I start promoting my summit, when I'm working on it, people on following me on Instagram know that I'm working on it so they can start getting excited and know it's coming. When you do that, you want to have a waitlist link in your bio. So even if you're not ready for registration, you can start getting email addresses of people who are seeing you work on it and being like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till that comes up because they'll totally do that. Um, so I think that behind the scenes stuff is really important. Something I did for my first summit, I haven't done it since, um, is also like giving little sneak peeks of the presentations that are coming in, like finding a really value packed piece of information from each presentation and posting that snippet. Um, these last couple of times, it's kind of felt like a little too much work, but I think that's a great thing to do if you have the bandwidth for it. Just like different angles you can come at with the promo to keep it like feeling fresh in their minds without them feeling like they're just getting like hit with it constantly. Oh, that's amazing. So many good nuggets there to really focus on the behind the scenes and tease out that excitement leading up to the summit. Um, build up to the ass. Don't just straight up promote, promote, promote all the time. Yeah. And then and then tease out the presentations as, you're, as they're coming up to get people excited about that. Those are really great pieces of advice. Um, are there any tools that you use that you'd recommend for maybe someone who's just starting out in their summit promoting that you really love to use? Yeah, so uh, I have a I have an assistant designer, but if I did not, Canva is where I would make all my graphics. I know you love Canva. Yeah. Um, and then later is where I schedule everything. Like even my Instagram stories, I even go like just put all of those graphics in later and like stack them up on my calendar so I can just go into that app and grab all the graphics to post. Um, you know, if you had Dropbox, you could put all of the images in there, open that and download them all to your phone. Um, but you know, if you can make use of a tool you're already using for your social media scheduling, that is a great way to do it. Uh, and it makes it nice and easy too. 
Oh yeah. I love a good like setup for that. And you can use anything like Krista said, doesn't have to be a fancy tool. Um, I like layer two. I think it's really great for beginners and their free kind of version is still very robust. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's really, really good advice. Um, so what do you do after the summit's done on social media? You know, that's, that's something I'm probably not as great at. I will share, like if I get um, like great comments from someone who is an, an attendee, like shouting out a speaker's presentation or something like that. I'll put that on there, just like thanking everyone for, for being there, giving my speakers shout outs when, when I can, which is also something I should have mentioned, like for the promo, the more you can make use of your speakers, the better results you're going to get. Um, so of course I get all the graphics I use. I also give to my speakers and something else I do is make sure I have at least one post featuring that speaker and tag the speaker in it because nine times out of 10, they are then going to reshare that and that's going to prompt them to say something about the summit that they're in when maybe they would have forgotten otherwise. Um, so the more you can make use of the people who are participating, the better. I definitely should have brought that one up because it's really important. Yeah. Oh, such good advice because you're, you're like 10 xing your, your reach there when you can like leverage all of these amazing people. Yeah, at least. And I know for your summits, you also use Facebook groups. So tell us a little bit about your Facebook group strategy when it comes to kind of building a community for summit attendees. Uh, that is one of the most powerful things you can do for a summit. I've been a part of summits where it's all run through email, but it is so worth a little bit of extra work to have a community. Um, and so this community, I just push people to as they join. So I have a registration email sequence after someone registers for the free summit. And one of the main goals in there is, you know, besides having them purchase the upsell is get in this Facebook group. And it's good for so many reasons because it increases engagement like across all aspects so there are going to be attendees shouting out your speakers that makes your speakers happy there are going to be attendees seeing your speakers in the group that makes your attendees happy and they can talk to the speakers talk to each other talk to you um, another great thing that happens is when they purchase your upsell they're going to go in your group and talk about how awesome it is and other people are going to go purchase your upsell so it's just so great and Another thing I like to do is live, like live videos leading up to the summit. So, you know, I recommend having a two to three week promo period. You don't want people who join in those first couple of weeks to be bored by the time your summit rolls around. Um, so in my Facebook group, I do one to two times a week. I'll go in and do like a little training that's related to the topic of the summit. And they love that. It gets them talking. It gets them in the mode to learn. It gets them to know and trust you better because a lot of them won't know you. They're coming from your speakers. So that's a great way uh, to get yourself in front of them and build, you know, the no like trust deal um, before your summit begins, which I do think is important to get the good results. I totally agree. I think the Facebook group aspect, just that community is so powerful. Um, and I know from the speaker side too, I, I liked being tagged and stuff afterwards to be like, <laughs> oh, okay. So people did find this helpful instead of it being yes. just cricket. So I really like that. Um, I remember this last summit that you did that you, you mentioned the upsell and I think you, ha you did something different with Facebook ads in the upsell or something like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah. So I was running, I was running Facebook ads both to the summit itself and to the upsell. I, I did not spend a ton on ads. Honestly, I should have with, with how low I needed to pay for results. Um, but I was running um, ads to registration for uh, retargeting my website visitors. And I tried a couple lookalike audiences. It went super well. Like next time, I even think it, it would be worth like hiring someone to come in and do it because people 
people, people like summits when you have a really um, focused one for a specific niche with a specific goal, they love it. So you can get really great results from that. Uh, and then for the upsell, if someone registered for the summit, but did not purchase, I would send them retargeting ads for the, the thing I was selling. Um, basically, you know, remember to get this thing, the price is going up on this day, here's the kind of stuff you can get. Uh, and I got really great results from that too, like to the point where I was even telling my speakers like, hey, if you guys like running ads, like it's worth you guys doing this, here's some graphics and copy because it worked pretty well. Yeah, I think that's great. It's, a, it's such a great thing to mention too, because you have a product that's good. And I think that's why it works. You, you mentioned having a really specific niche um, with a really specific outcome. That's why they worked. And yes. I think sometimes we get stuck in the like, okay, let's get as many people to see this as possible. And uh, yeah. well, it's a, it's a great idea. So in reality, it doesn't really work that well. So I really, really like that you did that. Yeah, I'm glad that you you mentioned that and brought it up, you know, into the light more because I feel like that's something that's a really big challenge that people have with summits. I have seen summits run that people don't get great results, but that is why. If you are running a summit about growing your online business for all business owners, if you're not already an influencer, that is not going to go well because that's catching nobody's attention except maybe the super beginner level. They don't want to buy anything anyways. So if you can get really specific for a niche, especially a niche that isn't used to seeing stuff specifically for them and have your summit focused on a very specific outcome that you can like say, here's the exact results you're going to get. That is where you're going to see the big return with an online summit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, so, so powerful. I love it. Okay. So, um, let's, let's wrap up. I think we got so many good nuggets here and especially the tips about live video and Facebook groups. Yes. I'm just like scribbling notes over here. Like, yes, yes, yes. I love it. <laughs> um, so I know for your summit in a box, you have a, um, host process map. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so my Summit Host Process Map is, I created it because it's something I wish I would have had when I ran my first summit. Um, anyone who's thinking about it probably knows exactly what I mean when I say like, it's an, it's an overwhelming thing to try to figure out by yourself. It's a lot, especially when I started, there was not a lot of information. I found a few like pretty vague blog posts here and there, you know, just from people who ran their own, they weren't trying to teach it, but they were sharing some information. So I was like scribbling every tiny little note in detail I could, listening to every podcast episode I could find, which again, there weren't many. Um, and luckily for that first summit, I ended up with a very good step-by-step -step list of what I needed to do. And I was able to follow that. Uh, then I perfected that, tested it all again, added to it, and now I am providing it to everyone else. So it's, it's about 340 tasks, I think. Everything you need to do for your summit. I have it both in Asana and Trello and like a walkthrough of how to use each step just to make the process of hosting a summit not be a big, huge question mark. It's still a lot of work. I have resources to make it easier as well. Um, but just knowing that you're not missing anything at every step of the process is really helpful. So that's what the summit host process map is all about. Okay. If anyone's thinking even maybe that they would start a summit one day, do a summit, you've got to download this. I mean, I use Asana. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, that fits with my brain space. So I love it. Um, and then you also just launched a membership site all about summits, which I find fascinating just because, you know, we have a membership site here too. Um, so can you tell us what to expect when we sign up for your summit membership? 
Yeah, so it's called the Summit Host Vault, and it is my goal is to put every single resource and template and like graphic templates, scripts and swipe copy, tutorials, strategies, tech tutorials, like everything someone needs to launch an online summit, my goal is to get it in there. So every month I'm really seeing three pieces of the process inside of Summit Host Vault to make every step of launching a profitable and value-packed online summit easy instead of overwhelming. Fantastic. So I'll put the links to everything we talked about in the show notes. Guys, go check these things out. They are epic. Uh, okay, Krista, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Summit in a Box. Perfect. And that link will be in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. For links and everything we talked about, please check out the show notes by visiting SavvySocialPodcast.com. And don't be afraid to continue the conversation. I'd love to have you inside of the Facebook group. You can search for us on Facebook or simply go to SavvySocialCrew.com. See you there. Bye for now.